Welcome to Center Stage with international opera star Pamela Kuhn. And now, here is your host, Pamela Kuhn. And the curtain is up on Center Stage. I would like to introduce a new artist to you today, a woman with a voice of silver and a heart of gold. This is a debut for this artist on 1490 WGCH, and I think you will all agree that this is a singer who needs to be heard. Her stage name was Elizabeth Ross, and here she is singing, I've Got My Love to Keep You Warm. The snow is snowing, the wind is blowing, but I... In May, on Mother's Day, I flew to San Jose, California to surprise Elizabeth Ross. You see, she is my mother, and one of my main inspirations of becoming the artist that I am today. Her given name was Elizabeth Ailing, her married name, Elizabeth Kuhn, but at home she was always just Betty. I had the great fortune to have been born into a special family. I experienced the grace of positive and nurturing love from both my parents. But the incredible influence of my mother has been a key element in my life, both as an individual and as an artist. She was the original singer in our family, but she was also a talented dancer, writer, and visual artist. Born in Berkeley, Michigan, she had an early career as a child star on radio, tap dancing, singing, and believe it or not, whistling. Her family would eventually move to Pasadena, California, where Mother would continue her career on television. But life takes funny turns, as we all know. Where she goes from child star to loving caregiver to a significant writer is a journey worth mentioning. I hope you will enjoy this conversation where I just turned on the tape recorder and let her speak of her life and the necessity for laughter at every turn. My mother and father were the people that we call the salt of the earth. Uh, They were religious to a point, but not overly so. We lived right right across the street from the Lutheran church, so of course that's the church we went to. And daddy worked two jobs to keep everything on the table for us and take care of us. He worked early in the morning uh, at a construction job until two, two in the afternoon and then came home, showered, had something to eat and went to the swing shift at the um, job, other job he had, which was at a um, tool and die company. And he did that until we moved out to Pasadena for the first 13 years of my life. He also built our house. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And while you were still in Berkeley, Michigan, is this where you first got into performing? Oh, yes. Music was a a real part of our life there because we never went very many places because we didn't have much money. 
So uh, on Saturdays and Sundays when Daddy was home, we would all get around the the uh, the radio and sing sometimes. And but Mother loved to play the piano and the organ. So we would gather around the piano and we'd, we'd sing songs, all of us. My two brothers and myself and Mom and Dad. Dad was a wonderful baritone, and Mom had a beautiful soprano voice. And we sang all these wonderful show tunes and such as that. And they loved Jeanette McDonald and Nelson Eddy, so of course we sang a lot of their songs. <laughs> and this developed into you actually going into music and uh, dancing. You were, you were something of a child star. Well, so to speak, I guess, in those days. Uh, I was about five years old when I was on the Children's Hour in Detroit, Michigan. I believe it was WJR, but I'm not sure. It might have been WWJ. I, I can't remember. It's been too long ago. But I tap danced and I sang on this program. It was a 15, 20-minute program on the radio. And there were a lot of little children that did special things. And there was one little boy that I became very close friends with, and we used to play all the time on the floor while we were waiting to go on. And at Christmas time, he bought me a choo-choo train, <laughs> one, with, one with about four, uh, four cars on the back of it and Santa Claus driving it in the caboose. And it was so cute. <laughs> and did you love all this performing then? Oh, it, at age five, any time you can get up and dance for somebody, you you know you think you're pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and and your mom, the dear Helena, who I adore still, I I think your mom and dad, my grandparents were angels on earth. They really were. But she she was a a, a real stage mother, wasn't she? Yes, she was. She'd push me every place she can. In fact, after I would take my tap dancing lessons, she would bring me by this little restaurant that had music, and I would get up and tap dance, and they would throw coins at me. <laughs> and at the end of it, why well, we'd pick up all the coins and go home. <laughs> and were they put in your piggy bank, or did everyone share? <laughs> I really don't know where they went. <laughs> And so when, but when made you made the move out to Pasadena, mm -hmm. then um, she actually dragged you around to auditions then, or did she urge you to, to carry on as a child performer? Well, uh, when I was growing up in Pasadena, uh, at school I used to sing at all the dances and such as that with the, the small band that, that formed during school, and... Um, and at church, of course, I always sang in the choir at church with mm -hmm. my mother. So I was into music constantly. It, and then I met this man, and he was about, I think he was about 40 years old, and I was 17. And we formed, he liked my singing, so we got together and formed um, a song and dance couple. And we... Practice and practice and practice. I used to go to Hollywood constantly to practice for hours on end, singing and dancing and what have you, get our routine ready. And then we had an audition with Piano Portraits, which was in the early years of television. And they were desperate for, <laughs> for anybody that would work for them. <laughs> so we went on Piano Portraits on TV. And 
that started a lot of things. I ended up on singing on some radio, and I sang on with some a couple of bands, and it was it was fun. And at seventeen, you know, that's that's fun. That's Absolutely. great. Absolutely, and you had a big talent. You're a mighty fine singer, mother. Well, I was okay. Uh, you were better than just okay. <laughs> and I th think we need to give our listeners a chance to hear that. So let's just take a break and hear my mom, Elizabeth Kuhn, singing <laughs> My Ideal. So gorgeous, Mother. Thank that you. Was so gorgeous. <laughs> and you had such a sense of style all the time. You were born with that, really, weren't you? Well, I yeah. guess I guess I was. I, after all, my father and mother both sang. So Absolutely. But I think you were born with a little extra something. <laughs> you had that sense of being able to spin a phrase and, and really take the words and, and mean something. So here you were headed for this big career. You had the dance partner. Um, what was your What was your stage name? Uh, 
we were Russell and Ross. His name was Jack Russell, and I was Betty Ross. That's Betty Ross. I love it. I love it. So what happened to the career then? Well, we had two two dates on piano portraits, and then after that, uh, somebody heard me or saw me on television and wanted me to go into the movies. So they offered me a contract, but only me, not with Jack, oh. uh, just me. That and, must have been a little rough for him. Well, yeah, but he didn't. He said, "Fine, you know, if you want to be into the movies, great." But the kick was you couldn't get married for five years because they would invest a lot of money in you for, for that first five years to mm-hmm. get you out amongst the people, you know, and get your name known and be in the little shorts and what have you. And I said, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I said, if, this, if my boyfriend asked me today to marry him, I'd marry him tomorrow. Wow, you really knew yourself, didn't you? <laughs> well, I knew I wanted to. I wanted to get married and raise a family. You know, I wanted to be like my mom and dad. Right. They were the most positive piece of people that you could ever want to meet. And so loving. And they always took people in, didn't they? Oh, they did. We never, we never had a family of just the four of us. Uh, and my mom and dad, there were f- four kids. My two brothers and my sister, who was 11 years younger than me, and myself, and mom and dad. But then we always had grandpa, my father's father, and then we had Meredith and Donald, which was um, my father's brothers. They were taken in after, after their mother died. My father took care of them, and they lived with us for as long as they lived. And Grandma was famous for bringing home ch- children she found on the streets or homeless kids. She would bring them in. <laughs> I mean, and they became part of the family, didn't they? That's exactly right. She uh, she was always very, very helpful. And my father had the, a heart as big as all outdoors. This is why I call them angels, Mother. Yeah, they're angels, angels, all right. Everyday angels. So how long was it until that boyfriend of yours proposed to you? Well, he actually didn't propose to me. <laughs> we, we went together for four years and five months, which is how much older he was than me. And one evening when we were necking out in the back, <laughs> well, I, I said, aren't we ever going to get married? And he said, what, tonight? And I said, no, but pretty soon. And he said, okay. <laughs> that was the way. Well, that was easy. That was the way. <laughs> That was the way we, I proposed to him, actually. But I was getting tired four years and five months. That's enough. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> were ready. And you thought you were just going to stay in sunny California, didn't you? Well, yes, but we didn't. When I was six months pregnant with Pamela, we went to um, Boardman, Oregon, which, by the way, had the big population of 153 people. Wow. So let's get this straight. You performed in Detroit, Michigan. You moved to Pasadena, California, had a minor career in Hollywood, and now you're moving to the wilds of eastern Oregon in the middle of nowhere. That's right, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> and, but what kind of creative life did you carve out there, Mom? Well, raising my children, of course, you. Um, but uh, there was a church there. And I love to sing, so I joined the church choir. 
and I was their soloist for about 15 years. And I can still hear you singing the old rugged cross. Ah, yes. Which you did so well. And at Christmas time, it was so nice because they had speakers all over the all over the place outside of the church, and we would sing Christmas carols. I sang Christmas carols, and they played the organ, mm-hmm. and we did that for about fifteen minutes every day until Christmas. Oh, that's wonderful! Yeah, it was wonderful. It was lots of fun. Oh, only in small town America. <laughs> yeah, oh right. My gosh, so. So then your life took on a slightly new direction. You you had children, you you were still singing, you know, in a small town, albeit mm-hmm. church and small functions. Yes. But then then what happened? How did you how did your life change directions? Well, when um my husband's parents became ill, um my father in law first, he had a stroke and he had a heart attack and we we helped take care of him, and that started my caregiving career, which wasn't exactly the best part of my life. But um, when he passed away, then my mother mother in law became pretty ill. She had um, oh, was it this? COPD? Yeah, COPD, emphysema, and she had to be on oxygen, and she couldn't make it by herself in the trailer by herself. So we moved her into our home in Hermiston because by then we had moved to Hermiston. And um, she stayed with us until the last few months before she died when they, she just, we couldn't take care of her anymore. She was, we had to pick her up to take her to the restroom and we had to bathe her in bed and things of that nature, and she was really very uncomfortable. So we put her in a nursing home, and she only lasted about three more months. Mm-hmm. So you suddenly became the great caregiver of the family, yes. and this went on for a great many years. But we'll get back to that. Let's go backwards just a minute. You became a bank vice president <laughs> along the way. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I decided that you, my daughter, wanted to go to college mm-hmm. after she graduated. So I thought, well, I better get a job because our little business wouldn't support you mm-hmm. in college. So um, I had been working at the drive-in, and I decided that wasn't going to bring me near enough money because it's just pittance. So I made application to the local independent bank. And um, they said, fine, come on, let's go to work together. And so I started out filing checks. That's when you (laughs) still got your checks back every month. And uh, after 24 and a half years, I was a vice president of the bank and taking care of four different branches. That's fantastic. And you put me through school. Yes, I put you through school and bought my husband an airplane. That's right, an airplane, our little Piper Cherokee, which we actually had in our small town of Boardman, Oregon, just west of uh, of the town itself. Yeah, Boeing a runway. had a test strip, didn't they? they had, yeah, which, a runway. And Daddy asked for permission to mm-hmm. park our little plane yeah. at the end of it, which mm-hmm. he did it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, just, right in, out in the, the middle of the brush. desert. <laughs> 
And everybody has to understand that's mm-hmm. listening that when you live in a place like Boardman, Oregon, it's a long way to anywhere, isn't it? So yeah. having the plane was so advantageous. Mm-hmm. And as I remember, I was the adventurer in the family, and I was the one who would fly with them. Yes. You were I, the best flyer. I, I wasn't the best flyer. <laughs> I belonged to the White Knuckle Club. Yeah, that's right. But yes. I remember you helped him study to get his yes. license. Yes, I went with him when he studied to get his license, and I learned to uh, navigate. That was fantastic. Yeah, so he would fly, and I would navigate by watching the ground and finding all the spots of interest, you know, along the way and tell him where he was. And I remember when he used to fly me uh, to the University of Oregon, when he'd fly me off to music festivals, it was fantastic. (laughs) It it was just a whole other life. He was such a great guy. He was. So what did you do when, when you found out that your first daughter had this real precocious attitude towards singing and decided to become a performer herself. How did you advise her? (laughs) I told her, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And did she listen? No, she didn't listen. She had a mind of her own from the time you were, I don't know, 13 years old or thereabouts, or even younger than that when you were taking piano lessons. You Mm -hmm. loved music, Mm -hmm. and you wanted to sing, and you wanted to sing opera. You didn't want to sing jazz or the 40s music that I love so much. You wanted to sing opera. So you went to school and you studied hard and got your degrees. And I disappointed Daddy by not becoming a country western star. Yes. He never forgave me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he may not have forgiven you for that, but every time he listened to one of your tapes... He was just busting buttons. He was so proud. He was so proud. I remember when I did the uh, solo in the Verdi Requiem at the Oregon Bach Festival in the 90s, and he came to hear, and one of my friends asked him what he thought about it afterwards, and he said, well, it was loud. That was Daddy. Um, <laughs> well, so, what about what about the opera that you did? Where was it in Minneapolis? In Milwaukee. In, yes, in Milwaukee when I sang Aida. Flew out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he couldn't he couldn't stop telling everybody, "That's my daughter. That's my daughter." <laughs> she's not Tammy Wynette, but she's no. doing okay. Yes. So let's get back to you now and, and your other careers, mother, because you've had so many, and so you conquered the bank. And you had a fantastic career there, but while you were still working there, you became a writer and actually had a column in the newspaper. Yes, when I retired from the bank, uh, why I uh, went to work for the East Oregonian, and I wrote a column, My Little Corner. And it was just, and he said to write anything that would be of interest to their readers. Mm-hmm. So I looked around every week. I would run out looking around and see what I could find to write about and ended up with a column every week. Sometimes it was just pushing something that was going on in the community, but most of the time it was something that would happen in my life that would normally happen in somebody else's life and the lessons you learn from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such as falling down and skinning myself because I tripped on it. <laughs> Trip, tripped on on the uh, sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
but you always had great columns and and this gave you a wonderful opportunity to reach out to the public and everyone who knew you and knows how warm you are and how gracious and how kind it was only reinforced what kind of person you were through your column it was a wonderful time for you it was it was good and while i was at the bank i i went to a conference on proposals, learning to write proposals so that I could write them at the bank to get the things that were needed for us from the board. And I met a publisher, and he knew how interesting I w- interested I was in uh, caregiving because I told him, don't ask me too many questions, I'll get on my soapbox. And he said, that's exactly what I want you to do, only I want you to put it on paper. And I said, I'm no writer. And he said, you don't think you are, but you are said, when you write, you just say the words as though you were talking to your best friend. And so I did. And I wrote a book, What to Do When Mom Moves In, all about taking care of people and how to keep from going crazy in, in the process and how to make them feel like they really belong there and how, how they're needed too. And what we need to really talk about is the fact that, that Daddy became very ill. and. Yes you ended up taking care of him for a great many years, again, Mm -hmm. as a caregiver, and then, of course, for your own mother and and dad. So you were quite experienced in this area. Yes, by the time I took care of my own mother, I had already gone through three people, um, the in-laws and my father, who died of cancer, and uh, then my mother with congestive heart failure and my husband with uh, end-stage renal failure. His kidneys quit on him, and he was on dialysis. So it was a, a long road to hoe, but I learned a tremendous amount, not only about how to take care of people, but a lot about how much I could do and how much I could take. Right. You know, you learn a lot about yourself Right. when you're caring for other people. I can't remember a worse Just watch those icicles fall. What do I care? Oh, icicles fall. I've got my love to keep me. Tune in again for part two of The Life of Elizabeth Kuhn in two weeks. How she matured as a writer and her eventual relationship with the A-list writing crowd in New York City. And the curtain is down on Center Stage with Pamela Kuhn. The flame grows